Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Web3 with me. It is our mission here to educate, and we realize that some basics of Web3, like WTF is a digital wallet, might be helpful for you to know. We will be releasing a series of short videos on YouTube and Reels to help cover these high-level topics. We hope they're useful for us, and feel free to leave us feedback. My guest today is Diego Borgo, strategic advisor to Fortune 500 brands on how to enter the metaverse and Web3. Diego's lifetime personal brand is clear. One, he's an outsider, having moved 35 times in 33 years. Two, he's always looking at things differently and challenging the status quo. And three, he aspires to build personal freedom, which goes beyond money. It's more about the freedom to do what he wants, when he wants. His career in marketing started at 16 years old in 2007, where he helped brands like Samsung, Warner Bros, and Microsoft understand the world of esports. He took those learnings to the client side at Adidas Next, which is where he was introduced to Web3. Most recently, he has advised brands like Porsche, Salesforce, and Shell on Web3 strategies. He has a masterclass on bringing brands into the space, and it shows because his thinking is so clear on how to approach legacy brands and introducing Web3. LFG, baby, let's start vibing. Welcome to the show, Diego. Thank you. I'm stoked, man. Thanks for having me. I have to say, um, this is the first show where I have catered my background to my guest. Uh, <laughs> I totally dig your pink beanie vibes. Uh, it's very consistent. It's on brand. Typically, these would be rainbow beans. But uh, I went to the founder of the beans, who's a good friend of mine. And I said, can you make it pink just for the show? I appreciate uh, it, man. So, it means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah, man. I've been excited about this. I just kind of stumbled across your your work on LinkedIn. And you're doing, I think, what a lot of people, including myself, want to be doing, right? Like you are going to the big brands. You're overcoming the perspective problem that's facing Web3. So I'm excited to dive in. Stoked to hear. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Um, so I always start with the founding story so that my audience can get to know you a little bit better. So feel free to uh, start wherever you'd like. Yeah. So um, I'll give a bit of like a, a long term and then cut it short for the current current situation. So born in Brazil, uh, grew up there. I, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old now, but I moved 35 times in my life. So you can imagine, uh, you know, how that that went. Um, a lot of people ask me why I am an alien or why my PFP is an alien. And that's how I felt my throughout my whole life by being thrown into new spaces and new rooms and always be seen as the outsider. Right. And that started in my own country because Brazil is so big. And depending where you live, you're always an outsider because you're coming from somewhere else. You speak funny, you're different. Right. And then from there, uh, I moved to other countries. So I lived I lived in Canada. I lived in Austria, I lived in Germany, I lived in Bali and now I live in Portugal. So, you know, that element of being an outsider has has been throughout my whole life when it comes to the locations I've been living. But also, by the way, I think and the way I, I uh, you know, sort of like proceed things and, and express myself. So I suck at school. School was the worst time I ever had. A lot of people say like, oh, you, you're becoming more and more successful now. You should have been great at school. It's like, no, it's rather the opposite. <laughs> you know, like every week I'll be sent home uh, because I didn't want to comply with a stupid norm that they want to enforce on me. Or, you know, I would question things that you cannot question. So, you know, that alien element followed me my whole life, which is a, is, is a gift and is a curse, right? I, 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 I've been, you know, like questioning the status quo and, and, and trying to get people to think differently about several things. And sometimes it was a little bit too pushy, right? And, and that's kind of like how, how I got in a lot of troubles throughout my school time. Uh, you know, I, I, I started working really 
at a young age, I started working at 14 years old, not because I had to, because I wanted to. So that entrepreneurship was always on me, right? I, my first business was selling, you know, skateboard, uh, you know, the, the tech decks, you know, back on time you had oh, the, yeah. the, the, the small ones. So <laughs> I'll go to a street in Sao Paulo where I grew up and buy a bunch of like small parts of skateboards, put that in a toolbox, plastic toolbox, go to school and sell to my friends and say, oh, you can customize your skateboard. Here's a pink wheel. Here's a, you know, a different deck. And and that was my first business. So I'll do like 30, 40 X on the initial investment just by giving them the, the idea of personalization or the feeling of personalization and uniqueness behind it. So my whole, my whole sort of like was like that, right? One, the outsider, two, the one that's looking at things differently and three, the one that wants to build my personal freedom, you know, was never about the money. It was never about, uh, you know, the flexing, the building, the biggest empire in town was always about creating personal freedom so I can do whatever I want and, and, and whenever I want, right? So that's what business and money mean to me. It means freedom of choice. So, all of that wrapped with my experience in marketing and, 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 you know, agency side, client side, I spent since I was 16 years old, that was my first job in an agency. Uh, I've spent, you know, the last, I don't know, 15 years on, 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 on that side, right. Marketing, digital strategy, branding, uh, in my first job, I was basically helping companies like, uh, Samsung, Red Bull, Warner Bros, Microsoft to understand the world of esports back in 2007 when the video game was still uh you know in the in the basement not in the living room so that's kind of like where culture got into my veins where marketing got into my veins where branding got into my veins uh you know and then from there i just kept building into it you know i my last uh uh sort of like job was within adidas i was there for four years in germany in the headquarter helping the brand on the digital side uh to sort of like understand the 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 new opportunities within within that space uh i've been in blockchain since 2017 that's when i first heard of you know the 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 possibilities the use case the technology what that could potentially bring to us a part of all the ponzi schemes that we know really well and we all got rugged by <laughs> uh so you know i'm really excited about the technology truly because i believe that uh, you know, there is ways on which we can iterate in the current state of the internet and blockchain will be the responsible for helping us getting there, right? To evolving from, from where we are to where we want to be. So that's kind of like what, uh, you know, got me excited about blockchain. The moment for me that NFTs, Web3 and Metaverse had a turning point in, in my life was when I was at Adidas. Right. I first heard of NFTs. I first heard of Metaverse. I first heard of Web3 while being there. And uh, for me, all that blockchain stuff that I had on the back of my mind, but because I am a creative person, because I am a marketer, because I am a brand guy, I could never really lean against. NFTs just made so much fucking sense because for me, it was like, now we're looking at the technology and the technology is getting together with culture. And we know by history that whenever that happens, we have a new renaissance. Right. And that's what's happening. So once I first had that inside, I didn't look back. Right. And then my friends were already building within Adidas into the metaverse back in May 21. And I was just like, bring me in. Like, how can I help? I want to be part of this. I want to learn as much as I can. I went down the rabbit hole in so many ways, right? The corporate way, but also the digital side of things. And then we did what we did with Into the Metaverse. And then we did what we did with Prada as well and Adidas, the partnership. And then once that all happened by December 22, I was like, I need to go back December 21. Sorry, I need to go back to what I always done. You know, I've been consulting brands for the last eight years in digital marketing, digital strategy and branding. And now what I learned here and what I learned for being a DGN in the space, I want to go and red pill the biggest brands in the world. So that's basically what I've been doing for the whole last year. I love that. I mean, what, first of all, you're a pro at, at summarizing that. I love, <laughs> I love seeing the story build upon itself. Um, starting at the beginning, you, you had like that knack to, to never be satisfied with the status quo. You use that to further yourself as an entrepreneur at 14, right? The customizing that's saying to someone, hey, your, your tech deck's not good enough, right? Like we need to make it better. And by the way, I'm the one that can help you with that, uh, <laughs> which is beautiful. Was that something that you feel like was nurtured into you by your, your family or your friends? Or was it just something that was natural? It's natural. And, it, and it's really fun, you know, because a lot of times it, it feels so natural that is weird. 
Because, you know, it's just what attracts me the most. It's just what sort of like, you know, it's almost like a magnet. Uh, you know, it just, it just happens to be that way. And I can feel that when I'm not going those directions or those sort of like, you know, lines that I'm being attracted by those ma this magnet, things don't go as smooth or, or those don't go as fast as, as they should or as they could. You know, so for me, it's, it's a very strong, uh, you know, almost sort of like a, a instinct to be doing that because the more I go towards the direction, the more, uh, you know, my, my, my vision of being, being financially free and, and having freedom of choice uh, fulfills itself, you know, which, which, which obviously keeps me on track. Yeah, it sounds like the speed and velocity towards that goal is affected if you start to succumb to the status quo. So by questioning it, that's that's how you keep the train going. It's like your you know, it's like your fuel, man, or your gas. Yeah, and I, I I get bored really quick, right? So like, feel <laughs> you on that one. <laughs> so you know, like I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. Marketing has been cool. I've been doing that for so long. All I'm doing now is looking into growth and numbers and analytics. Like, fuck that. What is more interesting? What is out there that I can learn from? And that's how I got into NFTs. I'm like, cool, let's go. Let's learn about this thing now. Mm. So, you know, that that's kind of how I how you, how I usually go. You know, when things start getting a bit dumb and just like, you know, heavy like marketing has been getting more and more for the last, you know, five to seven years. Uh, you know, I, I need to find an exit. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you you can see a lot of the echo chamber group think mentality that happens once these things start to catch a little bit of steam. You see it a lot on LinkedIn, you see it a lot in Discord. Yeah. Um, to, to the point now where, you know, some of the biggest names out there, the first one being Noun saying, I'm not doing Discord anymore, right? This isn't facilitating good thought. This is facilitating reinforcement of the same thoughts. Um, so you always have to kind of like be on that cutting edge, uh, to understand that when you were which, at, which you, just okay. to build on that, which in yeah. our space is really difficult, right? Because we live in echo chambers, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, the, the 10 meetings I'm going in today that I'm talking to different people, we are all thinking about the same thing, the same way, or you get obviously different insights and different perspectives on how to explain or how to understand things, but it is still an echo chamber. And then when I go to the streets in the city I live here in Portugal, I look around and nobody knows what's happening. Nobody even imagine what we are talking about. And then that kicks and you say like, uh-huh, uh -huh. that's how early we are. It's interesting because a lot of the you know early movement and revolution that is Web3 comes from the people that are maxis and saying the same things to each other over and over and over. And now there's like this big call from the marketing angle, which I have been exploring with my show, which is hey, we need to stray away from this like hard line on exactly what this stuff is and think about how to apply it, which is, is something I feel like you do really well. The, the big question that I had when I was preparing for this was you are owning the original terms. You're owning the fact that you're building stuff like with Porsche on ETH right? You aren't, you aren't saying we're, we're building digital collectibles that you can collect through signing in with Google, though you may have been able to do that. You're saying I'm, I love Ethereum and I love NFTs. I don't love, I don't, I don't have to change the name. What, what is it that's kind of driving that just like ownership of these original terms that so many marketers, uh, myself included, have been, you know, you know, kind of cognizant of the fact that it might turn some people off? Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible question. And I think that the way of looking to that is that you need to reverse engineer the why. So, you know, the two main questions that I am asking brands when I'm joining those conversations is how do you think this will impact your business and how do we think we should go about doing that, right? And for them, uh, you know, in case like Adidas that we went really clearly to speak with the Web3 crypto native directly, right? Porsche is going in a very similar direction by taking, uh, you know, things what you just said into account. The, the, the question or the answer to that question that I mentioned before, which is how it's going to impact your business and how we should go about it, uh, you know, it comes down to who you want to speak with, right? Who is the audience? Who is the target group? Who is the demographics? And for both brands, which is a clear strategy from looking from the outside, you don't need to be inside to know, those are brands that want to talk to the Web3, crypto, NFT native, right? So how to best do that if not 
fully understanding the community you were getting in, going natively to it and, uh, you know, sort of like creating that relationship in a manner that feels organic and natural to the people that you want to do that relationship with, right? So those are cases that the core objective is to communicate, connect, co-create and reach that audience. Now, there are obviously other brands that I'm working with that they're going the opposite direction. They want to be, they want to reach to their already existing consumers or they want to reach to the wider mainstream quote unquote web two audience, right? So to those brands, when we are in having conversations and developing strategies and, and going through that process, obviously they won't go down the route of like calling NFTs, putting, you know, connect with our MetaMask here or calling whatever uh, underscore E for, you know, like the conversation and the comms and the strategy is different, but all comes down to what the brand wants to achieve at the end of the day, right? So that's kind of like, what is what is the the fundamental difference right i'm i'm working with shell right now right you wouldn't expect shell looking into that space no. but shell has a blockchain team inside the company for over six years right they've been doing stuff on the blockchain for six years so they were in that first like enterprise blockchain run exactly like 2016. exactly and they have a very strong team in-house and now they're looking into the future of that right okay blockchain block, blockchain is not something that stays just in the back anymore. It's not just supply chain. It's not enterprise blockchain. Now it's a consumer-facing technology. How do we apply the, the the intelligence and everything we've developed so far towards that uh, audience, right? But obviously, Xiao is not launching a PFP tomorrow to talk to the DGENs. Uh, you know, <laughs> I want the like, premium you know, gasoline one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is clear, but that's sort of like the difference, you know? And, and if you look at utility use cases, uh, what is also really exciting beyond the sort of like the, 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 the language, the communication strategy, or even the strategy per se to go to market is the different ways that those brands are utilizing that technology, right? So if you look it up, for example, what Xiao has been, has been doing lately with, with NFTs, they are, they're utilizing NFTs to represent provenance of energy, right? So what does that mean is the energy business is shifting. It used to be centralized where there is one power that supplies energy, let's say for a country. And now what's happening because everybody's getting solar roofs on their roof, Tesla you batteries. are decentralizing the supply of energy. And because of that, what will be interesting play for a brand like Xiao is to become the marketplace where you can come buy and sell energy from peers, right? And what best representation for that uh, ownership or exchange than NFTs. Hmm. So. You see what I'm going? Like, yeah, depending yeah. on on where those brands want to go, there are very different plays that can happen, right? It can be more culture driven. It can be more technology driven. Can be more business driven. Can be, uh, you know, more you know, customer experience driven. So that's kind of like the difference, and and that's why I'm so excited because you know a lot of people when I first start working with Fortune 500 brands, especially from our space, they're like, oh, you're working with the man now. You know, you, you go in there and sort of like bringing the man into the space. And I'm like, sure, because you think that we rugging each other and shouting, we all going to make it on, on Twitter, uh, having, you know, 80% of us being bots is really the way that we're going to show the world what we discovered. I love uh, wash you know, trades. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing, you know, if, if, if you want to be true to what we believe Web3 stands for and, and, and develop this space in a manner that, you know, we can shape a better internet and, uh, internet and the best future for creators and ownership and all that jazz, like we need to go with the big brands too, because they will bring the consumer base. Yeah, I love that. That's it's a it's a really good point. And and in my head, naturally, being a human, I'm sitting here listening to you talk to Shell. And I'm like, he's totally going towards loyalty. He's totally going towards loyalty. And he's like, no, it's decentralized energy. And I'm my my mind just goes. <laughs> it's mad. It's interesting. And, and sitting on those different rooms and being exposed to those different things is just so interesting because it goes way beyond than what you even imagine, right? Like when I first got introduced to that project, it was like, fuck, I wouldn't expect that. <laughs> Super exciting, right? And then I'm working with another automotive brand that they are building a metaverse platform, right? Not for their brand, but for others to come and play in. They're, they're setting up an entire new company for that. And you're like, oh, okay interesting let's go down that rabbit hole now right so yeah. there's a lot of different things that happen in that space that's exciting and that displays that apart 
uh, you know, the FTX stuff, a part of the, bull, the, the bear market, a part the macroeconomics that we are seeing, those brands are doubling down, right? Adidas has been hiring for a Web3 uh, studio team. Uh, you know, like uh, Salesforce has a Web3 studio team. Uh, Gucci has a bunch of people working there, right? Uh, Artifact was purchased by Nike, right? Like, if you think that things are, you know, just slowing down because number is not going up anymore, like, that's that's where I'm doubling down, you know, because all of them are taking the advantage that numbers are not going up right now, so they can take their time to build a sustainable business. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I have this conversation a lot when I'm talking to, to fellow Web3 ians, uh, and they're saying, when everybody else is leaving, I'm come staying. Like, this is the time to be here. Um, there's obviously support from Fortune 500 brands, and it's it's funny because I was having a conversation at our local Atlanta blockchain center here with mm. some people who were part of the early Bitcoin meetups in 2019, and um, they worked at uh, Cisco, not the food mm. company, the, the technology company, sure. and nobody would host anything there solely because it's Cisco. And I'm just like, why, why would you not? I mean... It's a, this is like one of the oldest technology companies and you don't want to host events there simply because they're an incumbent, right? It just doesn't make any sense. Now, mm -hmm. I do have a question when you go in and you're, and you're answering your initial two questions, what does that process look like? Because it sounds like it takes a lot of listening uh, to the internal team to make sure that you're aligned with exactly what they want. And then it also sounds like when you're figuring out who to, who's in the market to address that you have to go out and reach out to those potential customers. So what does that process look like to you uh, when you go inside? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times um, in projects, for example, like Porsche, I'm not pulled in in day one, right? Like Porsche has literally been building what they're about to launch for about six to eight months, right? Okay. And then they bring someone on, could be me or somewhere else to sort of like have a look on what they've been working, give an external <laughs> point of view. We reached a point that, you know, We've seen this stuff so often that I would love to get someone of trust that understand both words, you know, branding, marketing, Web2, but also Web3 natively and deep from, you know, down, down the rabbit hole. So, like, what do you think? Right. So, depends on how we start a conversation. Other companies, they literally reach out and saying, like, we need to educate everyone on what's happening and we need to start shaping our strategy on how we're going to go about it. Right. So, we we have nothing. And, and then, you know, within that two questions which I mentioned, the core question for me as a marketer is the first action is to get their brand strategy book, right? I go there and say, okay, where is your brand going to be in five, 10 years from now? And how can we then reverse engineer that goal in a manner that we utilize these new mediums to support that to be achieved, right? So how, how, can, we, how can we look into how NFTs support uh, you know, you becoming the best sports brands in the world, right? How does Metaverse supports you becoming the, uh, you know, uh, go-to for mobility company in the world, right? So those are the process we go through. Uh, and, and for me, you know, is the easiest way to understand and to help guiding them on what could be a good idea or what could be a good strategy and what is bullshit. Because if that doesn't play well against the brand strategy there is absolutely no way or no point for them to be doing so right so that that's usually like how i go about that and once i filter the the brand strategy per se then we start looking into uh you know the the business possibilities of it right obviously everybody wants to hear that they're gonna make 24 million in 24 hours like adidas did but i'm there to say that it's gonna be rather the opposite mm -hmm. right there is no there shouldn't be an expectation right now on how early we are within the space that revenue, uh, generating revenue will be a clear outcome of what you're doing, right? Because if that's this expectation, it becomes much harder to see the long-term plan and the possibilities, and therefore becomes much harder to execute against the brand strategy that was the initial idea, right? So a lot of those conversations are back and forth and sense checking, and there are companies that I decide not working with, mm -hmm. right? Because I see that either they are into it with the wrong mentality or the team that is behind it is not ready yet to the stuff I have to say. Cause you know, a lot of times I want uh, Dan to be true to the space. A lot of times I want Dan to, yes, reward the artists in a manner that we reward our artists in web three, which is they have royalties within the collection, right? Or a lot of times 
they want to just come in and sell something and make money and then call it a day, right? I'm like, well, that's not going to play out. I'm not putting my name against it. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of things that go through that process and each case is extremely specific. But the difference of what has happened the last eight months to what's happening now in the last two to three months is that all those brands are looking on what you just said, right? They're looking into membership. They're looking into things that are less alien to their business, but also less risky or less, uh, you know, volatile that they don't necessarily need to make money in day one, but they can start looking to build, building a sustainable business for the long run, right? So the, the thing I'm recommending brands the most to do as a very first step is one, red pilling their internal employees, right? So literally saying, just just do a pop, right? Like do a pop for this meeting to prove that people attended, make them create a, um, a digital wallet. Nobody needs money. Nobody needs to, to do through any exchange, literally just collecting it, right? Oh, cool. Like there is a proof that we've been to that meeting. And then, you know, you start building on top of that. Inspire people to get their hands dirty as early as possible. Right. And the second thing I'm telling them to do is now that you've red peeled those people and they're more creative and understand this environment more is how do we go about the same way with our customers, with our already existing clients. Right. So you throw in an event or you're sponsoring an event anyway in a month from now. Why don't you do a pull up? Why don't you do a digital collectible there? Why, do, why don't you do something that, you know, people don't need a wallet, they can claim with their email, you prepare a journey for people that have claimed with the email to explain then what this is about and how they go about creating a wallet to then own their first digital asset, right? So as soon as you are the one that has brought people to the space in the right manner and it felt good for them, they will remember you forever. And as a brand element, that's that's priceless, right? So as soon as you start doing those two very simple and small things, it becomes much easier for you to, one, learn how to do it as a collective, as a company, and two, iterate on what you've done by learning through the data as well, right? So if you think about Dune Analytics and all those analytics dashboards you have out there, now you can profile and learn much more about the people that are interacting with your digital collectible than you possibly could with people that you're spamming with your CRM program, right? Because there, you know, you know their name, you know their gender, you know the, their zip code, and that's all bullshit within the realm of digital world, right? What you really want to know is what you're interested in. Which other collectibles do they own? How active are they? How long have they been active, right? And with that information, that becomes much easier to serve their needs based on their interests rather than just going about, you know, launching a new PFP and hoping that it sticks. Yeah, that, wow. Uh, mind racing, which, <laughs> which means mm-hmm. that was amazing. Uh, one, it's fascinating because it sounds like you go into brands and your first idea is, I'm not here to necessarily change your brand. I'm here to reduce the amount of friction so that you can use this new technology in order to better your brand. I'm not going to be inconsistent. And that all starts with you, the internal customer, right? Yeah. And when I say my mind's racing, when you're talking about POAPs, I'm like, man, there's going to be like employee experience, experience companies built on this because it's not just attending a meeting. What if you give a presentation in a meeting? Do you get a special POAP? Maybe you get an NFT for that, right? And then it kind of incentivizes people to be more active, to be more proactive, to come up with new ideas. I think there's certain people inside companies, my, myself included. I was I've, I was in sales for like six years doing B2B mm-hmm. SaaS sales. Spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in Salesforce. I was at a, a company called Marketo uh, at the time. And, you know, there's just this this friction to create. It's kind of like you go in, you have numbers, you hit the numbers, but I would always dig a little bit deeper and figure out like, what is an ideal customer profile, right? Like how do we operationalize what we do? And this kind of plays in the same vein. You're going in there and you're saying, hey, look, I know you guys run meetings. What happens if you got credit for going to those meetings? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And by the way, now that you see the power of this, what would it look like when you have your next customer event? Maybe they get a PO app. I love that. I think that's yeah. that, that's that is amazing. And, and and that to build on top of that, I deeply strongly believe, and I might be wrong on the timeline and the forecasting, but 
it's inevitable that's going to happen that every single website in the future, maybe 10, maybe 15 years from now, will have a connect wallet button. That's that. that right. So, so integrations could be dead, right? Because all you really need to connect websites are a digital wallet. Exactly. And as soon as we, as soon as you do, there are two things that become possible, at least for how far we have seen so far. One is there is an active way of rewarding, uh, you know, consumers and customers, which is if you hold that NFT collectible pull-up, insert, you know, insert the name here, then you will have this, right? Which can be special content, personalized content, special product, special offering. That's what the gated commerce means, right? All of that is obviously exciting and possible. Uh, and uh, the other way around is also true. So you can airdrop stuff to the people that have been engaging with your brand. And again, engaging doesn't mean spending money, right? Because what you want to do from a brand perspective is to reward the people that give a fuck, mm -hmm. right? Not the people that are spending money and stuff. So if I don't spend money with your brand, but you throw 10 events and I was there in all those 10 events and I've got a pop for being there and I now I log into the website and I got free shipping, like, that's dope. Yeah. Or I log to your website and there is a special message for people that have been to those events. I can go there, claim the photos, blah, blah, blah. Dope. Or I can go there and buy exclusive merch for being one of a hundred customers of a ginormous fashion brand. Dope. Right? So that's how you build loyalty. That's how you build, uh, you know, retention. And that's how you give money can buy experiences. I think we'll move more and more and more and more towards that direction, which, you know, is the core principle of membership. Difference is, difference is now that those membership programs are going to be unchained. Those membership programs are going to be there forever because as far as we are concerned, the major blockchains will outlive humans without a doubt. Right, especially as the technology evolves and we go from like mining and all of that, right? So it's 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 really interesting to to think about that and all of that starts with digital claimables, collectibles, pull-ups, or whatever is the beginning of the journey, can be the beginning of the journey. You know, and, and that's kind of like what I'm excited about because then there is no risk, there's a lot of learning, and the upside is on you, brand, to decide how you want to engage with those people now, instead of then sort of like weighing you to give something because they're invested now because they spend their money and they want more and more and more and more from you. Yeah, it's interesting. I think so many massive businesses have been built on the integration of POS systems just to provide a consistent experience. Meanwhile, there's this beautiful little solution sitting there, which is connect your digital wallet here. And if you happen <laughs> to spend money, you're there. And if you happen to have collected some sort of PO app, you've also been there. I saw it, uh, I've, I've had a former guest in the sports area uh, mm. that is trying to reduce the silos between, you know, ticketing and going, buying merchandise and going to events and all this. And like, it's a perfect use case, right? You have your fan club, you have your, your, your fan club who goes to these events, then your fan club likes the certain player, they buy merchandise. If all that's done through a digital wallet, then you have a beautiful picture. And the, and when you're talking about data, this is intent data. This like actually buying things and, and you alluded to it is so much more valuable than PII. Oh, right? 100%. I'm a, a mid thirties white guy and in, in, in Atlanta is okay. But like, what do I do every day? Right? What did I buy today? Where did I go today? What are like, that is so much more powerful to know who that person is. And yeah. I think we're going to see that expanded beyond interaction with brands. I think we're going to start to see it in the in the hiring space as well. There's going to be somebody who figures that out. Have you explored yeah. that at all, by the way? Because I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, let me let me just conclude on what you just said before, because yeah. I want to make sure I get a point across that is extremely important. Two things. We know how we fucked up on Web 2. And we know what should be better on Web 3. Right. So when we start talking about data and privacy and, you know, in Europe here, GDPR compliance and all of that, that should be embed and built in within all those things that we are talking about from day zero. Right. And that should be a given. But then on top of that, what we should be striving for is how can we reaward the user that now owns its data rather than the big tech and the big platforms? 
for wanting to share that data with other parties in order to get a better experience. Because at the end of the day, the excuse of why those big major tech companies are exploiting data from users is because they want to enhance the experience, right? Cool. So pay me to get my data so you can enhance the experience so I buy more products from you, right? So I think that that relationship could be extremely interesting and is a way for us to start moving from uh, you know, users not owning nothing digitally by start owning its own data digitally, right? Which which I think is really exciting. Now moving forward to to the to the other point you made uh, within the masterclass, I have, for example, we have uh, two ways on proving you've acquired knowledge. One is we have uh, seven modules, and on module end of module one, three, and seven, you have a pull up which stands for proof of attention protocol that you need to answer a quiz that, you know, to show if you pay attention or not. Yeah. There are 10 questions. And if you get seven right, you get a pull up. If you don't get seven right, you try it again. Three times, three strikes, gone. You cannot prove you've paid attention because you didn't, <laughs> right? And that is an NFT. So there are three NFTs that you can claim throughout the journey. And then there is an NFT as a certificate that proves you've concluded the course, right? You achieve more than 70% of the course and other, uh, other set of uh, uh, requirements for you to, to, to claim you've done it, right? So with that, where I'm going is obviously it's exciting and interesting for getting Web2 people and you know people that I'm engaging with to claim their first NFTs. But the end goal of that is that they can start now building their own chain CV, building their own chain set of experiences, which, you know, that's where it's going to be exciting because the future, and again, I can be wrong with the timelines, but I'm thinking that in five, 10 years from now, we're going to have a, you know, a own chain CV that we can send and people can see what we've done, how we've done provenance, who was behind it, all the data sets that we know that once the data has been put correctly, there is no way to change it, right? So that's what I'm super excited about. And it's really frustrating for me to see today that LinkedIn is lagging so much on that because I think that they have a major opportunity to start taking advantage of things like that because my community is asking me, everyone I engage with from my audience, almost 30,000 plus people are on LinkedIn, all the 300 plus people that are brand leaders within the biggest brands in the world that have been through my masterclass are on LinkedIn. All the clients I work with since uh, about one and a half year now that I've got inbound from are on LinkedIn. And they want to start that revolution within all the companies they work for, right? And LinkedIn providing that technology will be groundbreaking for them because then it's easier for them to convince everybody else that there is utility behind it, right? So that's kind of like what I'm thinking about education and, you know, uh, proof of knowledge, proof of, uh, uh, you know, proof of attendance or whatever. Because again, that's another way of utilizing NFT and blockchain technology, which is not JPEGs, which is not collectibles. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of the uh, value of doing something like that is is honed in on the discretion of issuing tokens from one person to another, which could be useful. I don't think that that's not possible that it won't succeed, but the fact that you can link it to what people have done, not where they have been, that that's the real unlock, right? 100%. A lot of people grew up in the Bay Area and got to be at amazing companies that ended up being unicorns, but actually weren't that good at their job, hmm. right? Uh, but those same people are so different people may not like me, I grew up in Atlanta. There was not a lot of software companies here, but as soon as I found one, I excelled and I understood technology and I, I dug into that kind of stuff. So if you have ways to represent what people have actually done in the space, then you can say, hey, I know Diego has done this at three brands. I'll have him come do that at my brand, right? Yeah. And like, you're a little bit different because you're very public and figure and you've got a lot of followers, but like, I think you get what I'm saying, right? On a micro yeah. level, if or if you needed to hire somebody, right? Oh, you've yeah. done my masterclass. Oh, you've hosted me on a podcast. Okay, cool. Like, you know what you're talking about? Sweet. Yeah. I actually want to work with you, right? Yeah. We share views. That's interesting. One of my big questions for 2023, what you touched on earlier on in the comment was, what happens when UGC becomes UOC? Hmm. What happens when user-generated content becomes user-owned content? Hmm. And... I'm not sure yet. I know that there that 
right now all the value is being captured by the platforms and that's going to shift i mean if 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 web3 represents anything it's it's the great flattening of of this whole ecosystem right how are how are the users going to capture some of the value that these platforms get does that mean they're going to be capturing all the value no because then businesses wouldn't exist but there's got to be a good balance there hmm. you know? i think that's a it's a great question and i think you, we can already look into that with with uh you know ideas of the now uh, you know, how it operates today. And I go, again, I'm going to talk from a marketing and branding perspective, and I'm going to use that as an example because I spent the last four years there, is the way we were using UGC within campaigns, let's say launching a new Ultra Boost or uh, a new Stan Smith, is we would encourage uh, users to use a certain hashtag on social media so we could uh, get access to those pool of images and then pick and choose the ones that represent the product better and then pull that on a end, uh, you know, down the funnel page where people can see how others are using it. Mm -hmm. So they can look, oh, looks cool with black leggings. I want to buy it too because I got black leggings, right? But the real word for the user to be on that page initially was just prestige and, be, and after it became part of the membership program. So by being chosen uh, to be so, you are getting cer certain points within the membership program, the Creator Club from Adidas, where you are getting points and you're going uh, higher on the level of the different tiers of the membership program because you are contributing to the brand, to the community. So that example now can be put on steroids through technology and blockchain technology because instead of like, you know, maybe you're giving me some points or maybe, uh, you know, you, you you maybe don't have a membership program from Adidas, but you got some photos you want to share and you want to go through the hustle of having a 15th app on your uh, phone that is another membership program from another brand. You go there, collect to your wallet and say, pay me, bitch. Right. So <laughs> I think that's kind of like how we're going about it. Right. And, and that's the shift of, uh, you know, how the relationship between customers and brands is going to happen. <laughs> uh, when you're talking though, you know, one of the, one of the things I, I often come to in terms of like anecdotal, uh, from, from my guests is what web three enables is, is the ownership that it enables is meshing brand with identity. And it's, it's very evident in your mm. example, right? Um, people are excited to be featured on a page but they're more excited if they receive mm. some sort of ownership around that, whether it's a PO app or an NFT yeah. or what have you, yeah. right? And so what happened? Yeah, and can you imagine the amount of business that can be built around that? Like, look just as Amazon review. People have built business of creating proper, decent content of reviewing hundreds of products yeah. because they're getting it's a real direct monetary things. award. And now what happens when you tax something on top of that, 100%. right? When you become uh, the the rare Pepe of of, <laughs> of 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 reviews, I love that. Where do you, how do you? There's a few different terms I'd love to get your definitions or descriptions of. Um, mm. I, I want to start with with brand and culture. How how do you define brand, and then mm. how do you define culture, and then how do you see those two interplaying? Because it sounds like that's a big focus of yours. Yeah. So for me, brands are culture, and we need to expand from brands because we think brands, and we think like Adidas, Nike, Gucci. Uh, you know, either on the fashion realm, or we think about Apple, Samsung, uh, Microsoft, and you know, on the technology aspect of things. One of the controversial things I say that a lot of people try to get me on and I won't change that statement is that even those NFT projects that we are looking right now, like that being Azuki, uh, Doodles, uh, you know, like uh, any of them, Utes, whatever it is, they are brands, right? Because what brands basically are, they are a representation of something that a group of individuals decide putting on their bodies or claiming that they own public publicly to display the way they want to be perceived so at the end of the day is a representation of uh, values right why do i wear a 90cc t-shirt from g money right because i feel represented by what he's building and i feel part of that movement of the another thousand people that own this t-shirt and i want to show to the world what i stand for 
right? It's that simple. Why do people get so excited about having an Apple phone and showing and having a sticker on the back of their car? It's because they can they show they, they are part of that. Apple built their brand to be the disruptive, the one that, you know, that famous video of throwing the hammer uh, on, 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 on Big Brother, like, you know, the creators and all of that. So people feel part of that community and feel represented by that Apple, right, as a logo. So for me, that's what brands are. And at the same time, that's exactly what culture is, right? When you think about, like, you going around, uh, you know, in the 90s wearing a ACDC T-shirt, represents what part of the culture you belong to, right? When you are carrying a skateboard around town, uh, just hanging out with your friends, it represents what part of culture you are, right? And a lot of that is connected to brands as well, because that skateboard, no matter the brand that it has, it is a branding element of yours, right? You mentioned at the beginning, I think, Benny, it is an element of who I stand for and the things I stand for. And that's become an icon of how people perceive me, right? And maybe in the future, people want to have the pink beanie because they resonate with what I have to say. I want it. I don't know, <laughs> right? So like, that's kind of like the interest. <laughs> so buy now at DiegoBorgo.com forward slash pink beanie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a four ninety nine. Four hundred ninety nine dollars. <laughs> so you know, like that's for <laughs> that's for me, like the where where things are connected, right? So you have brands, you have culture, and again, that's the space I've been navigating throughout uh, my whole life. But what really changed the game right now at the stage we are with Web three is that we are adding technology to that mix. Right. And that's what makes this major powerhouse. And we tend to think about technology as well as just kind of like, you know, computer and software. But technology literally could have been like fire. Fire is a technology, right? Paper was a technology. Brush is a technology. Paint is a technology. Right. So when you had different renaissance in art, for example, because you now had different techniques of utilizing a technology or you have new technologies that you can utilize to create art differently, that is a moment where culture and technology got together, right? And now it's happening again because for me, the metaverse is not a channel. The metaverse is a medium for you to tell stories, connect with people and express, uh, you know, different creative elements within it. NFTs as well, apart from being a technology, is also a medium that can be used that is connecting culture and technology. Right. So that's kind of like what is so exciting for me. And, and that's why I see this very clear blend between culture and brand and brand being culture and culture being brand, uh, you know, because it's just undeniable. But then what is exciting now is that we are adding technology to it. And, and that's what makes the whole thing different. And, 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 you know, for me, every single time and you can look back and pass from the printing time to, uh, you know, radio, TV, Internet, e-commerce, social media, all those milestones in history that change the ways of communication are connected with culture and technology. And that's why I think that Web3, Metaverse, NFT, blockchain, cryptocurrency, DAOs, DeFi, and all of that are at the forefront of this new revolution of the evolution of the web. Yeah, I love that. I, when, I, when I hear you talk about culture, uh, and this may be a bit of confirmation bias, but um, I hear collective identity, right? It is, it is society's identity as a culture, right? You're, you have different societies that are forming out of this. I think and one of the things that's always interested me has been like the network state by, by Balaji. Um, you know, a lot mm. of people that powers their creative side, right? They're like, I'm building towards that because I feel like mm. that is reflective of my identity. But when those identities come together, you've got a culture, right? Uh, yeah. Which is, is a beautiful thing. A hundred percent. And now because of the way culture, technology, and the way we interact with other humans, because obviously technology shortened the possibilities of us interacting, because probably if it would be 40 years ago, I will have never met you in my life because I will never have gone to Atlanta or you have never gone to Portugal and we wouldn't be able to connect. And here we are. So shortening that distance physically has made us to have access to anyone and everyone in the world at scale 
And what is a byproduct of that is that instead of us being part of very large communities that everybody shouting at each other and conversations cannot be had and everybody is sort of like either another number or just, you know, another person within that room, we are leaning against niche communities, right? How can I tailor with 35 filters to find a person that thinks exactly like me in this point on time so I can connect and we can do dope shit together? And that's where we're going to, right? And that's why NFTs are interesting, right? Why 10,000 apes took over, uh, you know, and became what became is because those 10,000 early adopters to that thing had a set of values that they all resonated with. They're like, fuck, we are early in this space. We are meme lords. We love crypto. We've been early to crypto, been early to DeFi. Now there's a bunch of people here that are trying to figure out what's going to happen and apes strung together, right? And that sort of like brought people together. And uh, the, the whole speculation and money making came after that. But until that point was mainly focused on culture and micro communities, right? The concept of a thousand true fans is exactly that, right? We're going from the mass influence to micro influence as well in social media. So, you know, that that trend is, is going forward and is going to be more and more uh, so in the future, which I'm, again, very excited about because... You know, it's it's much easier now to have access to culture than ever before. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember the first time I was pitched Board Apes uh, when they were like half an ETH, and it, the pitch was, "These are for the people that are early, but not early enough for CryptoPunks." <laughs> and that resonated, right? Like, there's a lot of people that's like, "Shit, I want a punk. I want a fucking yeah. punk, man!" And yeah. and then these apes come along, and I had a friend who totally bought in, and he bought like twenty apes and started giving them out to his friends. I mean, he changed people's lives, right? Man. The financial speculation was not part of it. It was being a part no. of what that represented, which is that we are simply, mm. and then setting off what became the craziness of the PFP revolution. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I love that. Um, we are nearing the top of the hour, and I do have one more question I want to ask before my traditional closing questions. Um, sure. What role do partnerships play when you are consulting with these large brands? I feel like it's a big highlight of web three. I talked to a lot of people about it. Um, you know, how do you view partnerships in terms of, of executing on these web three strategies for these fortune 500 companies? Yeah. So there, there, I think there are three levels of partnerships, right? And that's going to depend on the strategy that the brand wants to go for. But fundamentally you have a partnership with projects, right? That being PFPs or communities or creators that can one either extend the values of what your brand wants to stand for or stands for or underpin the values right we are the same or by authenticity right like oh we fuck with those people so like it means that you know we we are here and we are authentic and we do it right which was pretty much what adidas did with uh, by partnering with board apes uh, pixel vault and, and g money crypto punks right so that's a partnership level, which is extremely important from a brand perspective, but also to reach new audiences or new communities or new demographics through that. Um, the other partnership is through technology, which I do a lot. So how do I find someone that is building at the edge of Web3 right now what is solving a problem for a major Fortune 500 that they will never be able to build as fast and how I, how I put them together in a room for them to partner and accelerate the success of this project, right? So that's a more uh, technology layer type of thing, which is more connected to business development and so on. And then the third partnership is how do you find the right people that understand and, and, and are not full of shit uh, about the space to help you navigating through this? Right. And a lot of people are telling me like, oh, you share so much about what you know for free. Oh, you put, you know, everything, you know, in a masterclass. Oh, the other day you you shared, uh, you know, a book that had 50 pages for free that someone has written on marketing strategies. Why are you doing that? You're shooting your own food. I'm like, no, I'm accelerating the intel that the community needs to help us getting there. I, I don't want to do that alone and I will never be able to do so. So the way of us getting where we want to go is by multiplying it, right? So how do you help people to get educated on the mission and vision that we have as community to help the big brands to come in and support and build upon it? Otherwise, we're going to go back to Web 2 and then we're going to be excited about Web 4 or 5 years from now, right? So that's kind of like the way I'm thinking about it. 
so those are sort of like the three levels of partnerships that I try to bring to the table when I work with brands to you know help them succeed, but also obviously help me expand on the on the uh, you know the knowledge pool or the perspectives because obviously I don't know it all. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like especially when the third one, all I, I kept hearing was the Naval quote: "Play long term games with long term people," and you are you are playing a long term game. And it's, it's very 100%. admirable and like awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if I am alone here, when I'm in 40 years shouting, we all going to make it. I'll be alone here in 40 years shouting. We're all going to make it. You know, I believe in yeah. it. I love that. I love that. Well, I have my traditional closing questions. Uh, the first one is how do you describe web three for whom, uh, anyone in general, give me one example. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because I have my definition as a DJ, but I have my definition as someone that's telling that to someone that never heard of it. Right? <laughs> uh, I think that the conceptual way of looking at Web3 that is exciting and really makes a difference is that we are challenging the status quo on which we've been forced by so many different levels of society our entire lives as population which is we are told what to do and we need to deal with that and now we are utilizing technology to create small groups or to create powerful manners on which we can influentiate the system at scale right so that's kind of like what i find is exciting about that and that comes down to uh you know the future of uh, how humans exchange value monetary value uh, online through decentralized, uh, you know, currencies or how humans organize themselves through decentralized autonomous organizations and how that can potentially shift the fundamental thing in humanity, which is how we organize ourselves, right? Or it can be how we now, uh, you know, decentralize the connection between creators and fans by cutting the middleman. We don't need the big labels anymore. We don't need the big TVs anymore. We don't need the big producers anymore. We don't need the big publishers anymore. How do we make that connection closer and beneficial for everyone? And if you want a punchline for me, Web3 stands for win-win-win, right? How do we create relationships where everybody involved within that relationship, being the creator, the consumer, and the brand in that case, can win and profit from bring wag me back i feel like people have abandoned <laughs> wag me <laughs> so i'm saying i'm here 40 years after that i always still say it <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you i also like let's fucking grow that's also yeah, <laughs> i love go. that <laughs> um, so the final question is forward looking we've talked a lot about the future so feel free to to refer back to something in the episode but where do you see yourself in Web3 in the next 6 to 12 months? And then where do you see yourself and the industry writ large if Web3 is too constrictive, you know, expand uh, in 5 to 10 years? Yeah. So despite the timeline, my role in the space is the same. I will be the ones, the one loud and, and shouting on what I have seen and, and trying to show the world, not convinced, but show what I have seen and why it matters and, and trying to translate the difficulty into a simple manner that everyone can relate with. Uh, you know, so I want to be that that ambassador that comes in a manner that everybody feels welcome to be part of it. Right. That's why I chose LinkedIn. Uh, you know, while everybody's on Twitter, I was like, Twitter is cool and shit, but there is a billion of people on LinkedIn that want to know about it and don't feel welcome coming into Twitter. Right. Our community is not welcoming especially when it comes to women, when it comes to minorities and when it comes to anyone, we were talking about it before we hit record, you know? So I want to be that person that creates a safe space for everyone to come and learn about it, to grow and develop and ultimately find a way on which they can free themselves and achieve their dreams through that. Because we are going through a major revolution right now, as we did with the internet. I was too young when that happened, right? And now I'm not letting it go. So that's, that's the overall idea. So no matter the timeline, that's how I see my role within that space. And I think the difference will be on the way the message is going to be delivered. Obviously, five, 10 years from now, uh, we, we won't be using the same terms. We, are not we won't be talking about the, the same details and the same sort of like nuances. That's going to become either more uh, common sense or, you know, it's just kind of like something that was at the beginning of it. 
right? We don't talk about how you were navigate, you were surfing the web, and then you know someone called your house and your roommate picked up, and uh, your connection is gone. We don't talk about that anymore, but that was affected at the early stage of the internet, right? So I think that the lingo is going to be different, but uh, you know the message and, and and the empowerment that this. Uh, technological technological shift brings is is I think is is what my mission is about. Oh, this has been such a pleasure, Diego. Your your thinking is just so crisp, uh, and I, I'm feeding off of it. This is probably one of the most energized I've ever been from a show. So thank, thank you so much appreciate for it, coming man. on. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, let's fucking grow. Let's fucking grow. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate the platform. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Web3 with me. If you enjoyed the show and want to help us grow, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore French underscore. <laughs>